Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. Long time no see, or hear, or speak. Long time no connect. How are you doing, my dear, dear love, my dear, dear listener? Oh, how I have missed you. Hmm. How has the Mercury retrograde been treating you? How has it treated you as Mercury has now, uh, as I record this episode, what, four days ago, uh, Mercury went direct. So I wonder how that retrograde was for you. It's been a really intense start to the year, right? 2022, (sighs) with Venus being retrograde and Mercury being retrograde and all of these themes around our connection to self and our connection to other being explored and For me, this period of retrogrades has really brought up this question of how do I want to be in relationship with other human beings and how do I want to be in relationship with myself? (sighs) So we take a big sigh, a big breath. Hmm. And I want to update you on some things because we haven't spoken in a while and so much has changed. So since I released the last episode, I've opened my practice, which is wild. Um, I have filled up my practice. So now I have around like over 20 rotating clients, which is kind of wild to be supporting such a large number of people on a weekly, bi-weekly, monthly basis. But it's been so rewarding. I have grown in ways that I couldn't have ever imagined as a practitioner, yes, but also just in my personal life, I find this really beautiful thing happens with my clients where, you know, because we engage in intimacy and I'm supporting them in in the most intimate and vulnerable parts of of their being, of their lives, I find that I, I often feel so deeply called to do the same level of work that they're doing inside of myself so that I can really understand and deeply empathize with what they're going through. <sighs> so this time has really deepened my empathy and my understanding of the complexity of the human condition and all of the many challenges that we're experiencing around our sexuality. But it's also been filled with all of these amazing feelings of like, wow, we all feel so alone in these experiences that are so incredibly collective, right? Like so many of the things that we find that we're suffering from, that we're suffering from, there we go, that we're feeling shame for, that we feel like we could never tell a single living soul. So many of us are dealing with those things. And that's bringing us into today's episode. But before we do that, today's episode is going to be about something that I've been working through in my personal life, but it's also going to be the last episode of season two. Wow. (sighs) I feel quite emotional saying that because season two of Human Becoming has stretched me and grown me in unimaginable ways. And I just want to say a special thanks to the spirit of Human Becoming. I really feel so deeply that Human Becoming is an entity that I am collaborating with in order to create this art in the world, but it is its own entity. And we have this soul and karmic, you know, bond (laughs) where we have decided to work together in this lifetime. But I feel incredibly humbled by this relationship. 
I feel so incredibly humbled by this relationship and what this entity teaches me on a daily basis through human becoming coaching, through the human becoming podcast, and, you know, come March through the human becoming school. And so I just want to say a huge, huge, huge gratitude to this energy, a huge gratitude to this being, a huge gratitude to the spirit for what it allows me to be guided through, what it allows you to be guided through, what it brings to light about the collective. I think human becoming as a spirit really wants to bring so much to light about the collective, about our ways of being, right? So much that's stuck in the darkness and in our unconscious, the collective unconscious and our individual personal unconscious. Human becoming wants to bring those things to light and human becoming ultimately wants to birth the world into a new way of being human. And human becoming is always birthing me into a new way of being human. And I've been absolutely in awe of the ways that it's doing this birthing and this guiding of pushing me through this birthing channel. And I'm in awe of the way that it supports you, my dear listener. Mm, My dear, dear listener. I'm in awe of the way that this entity supports you in being birthed, in being transformed, in alchemizing, right? In in creating new possibilities for yourself. And and I'm amazed at the generosity of the spirit in how much it wants to support each and every one of us in finding new ways of being human. You know, that actually moves me to quite a bit of emotion and quite a bit of tears because I feel so lucky and I feel that the spirit is so generous and I feel that so intensely. Ah, the ways that it wants to give and to support and to guide. And so thank you, human becoming. Wow, thank you for all the ways that you've guided me on this journey. Ah, Thank you for continuing to guide the collective. Ah, Thank you for your continued commitment to this new way of being human that we know is possible and that we're creating in the world through these interactions, through these connections, through human becoming coaching, through the school, through simply the anchoring of this energy in the world. And so, wow, gratitude, 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 immense, unbelievable, unspeakable, unnameable gratitude to the spirit of human becoming for what it makes possible in my life and for what it makes possible in yours. And so part of the energetics of 2022 is this energy of relationship, right? Two, 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 six, we're in a universal six year, six in the tarot and the major arcana is the card of the lovers, six in and of itself, numerologically, is it, it ha- it's a number that has so much to do with love and intimacy and connection. And I think that's a lot of what we're being guided to in this year. And what I'm being guided to in this year is how can we come back into intimacy with ourselves? And how can we come back into intimacy with others? How can we come back into intimacy with the land? How can we come back into intimacy with the world that we are intimately a part of? Ah, 
And so at a personal level, I'm so grateful that on a, on now on a daily basis, I get to sit with people and guide them through this process of coming into de- deeper, deeper, la la la, coming into deeper intimacy with themselves and their own bodies and their own erotic energy and their own sensuality and their own boundaries and their own right and their own emotions like i'm helping people to come into intimacy their own shame i'm helping people to to come into intimacy with every part of themselves and then i want us to come into intimacy with each other and so i'm really feeling immense gratitude that i get to be a guide at this moment in our human history and that I get to be guided at this moment in our human history by God, by spirit, by the ancestors, by human becoming itself, in order to find greater levels of intimacy within myself and with others. And I have experienced immense transformation in this year. It's actually been kind of unreal. My therapist and I are just like consistently in awe at what is happening in session and what is happening in my life, what is being alchemized around this theme of being in intimacy. And I'm so excited to continue growing and expanding into this calling throughout the year. You know, I often say that my soul card, the card that speaks most deeply to me in the major arcana is the card of the lovers. That really feels so deeply like my soul's purpose. It is the lovers. It is coming back into that relationship inside of ourselves and guiding us as a world into that relationship with one another. But with all, right? Like, that's why human becoming is so interesting. And I think human becoming's card is maybe a mix of the lovers and the star. Um, there's such an he- a healing energy to human becoming and an expansive, you know, forward thinking energy, an Aquarian energy. For sure, this is an Aquarian podcast. <laughs> you know, human becoming is definitely an Aquarian age podcast. <sighs> And so I'm feeling real deep gratitude that I get to do that work, just to name that again and again and again and again and again, that I get to breathe this work every day, like that my whole life has now become really revolved around intimacy. I think that's just amazing. I feel so grateful. I feel so lucky. And I'm excited to see how this continues expanding, you know, and part of why I bring in the energetics of this year is this is the finale of the the second season which has been amazing and transformative for me and so many others and and I think we've done amazing you know there's there's energetic healing whenever we do anything in the world the ancestors agree with that one there is there's something that is happening with human becoming that is so much deeper than just the connection between you and me you know there's something about human becoming that is really just anchoring this energy in the world creates transformation. Like just this podcast existing creates transformation. It 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 creates transformation. It alchemizes things for the collective, you know? So, so often I'm like chewing on these things for the collective and hoping that that frees up some energy for all of us. And I hope it really does. But as we move out of the second season, we're moving into a very exciting third season. And I think this third season is going to be unbelievably transformative. One, because I am a life path three. 
if you're into numerology, that is my number. Uh, three is also, you know, in the, in the major arcana, it is the empress. It is this energy of birthing and creating. It is this very Venusian energy and Aphrodisian energy and loving energy, uh, which is really exciting and feels very true about what the third season is going to be. And the third season, that's my uh, impression of a drum roll. It's not really a drum roll, but I hope it gives you the uh, dramatic effect. Mm, the third season is going to be about love. <sighs> the third season of human becoming is all about love. What does it mean to do the work of love and loving people? How do we create a more loving world? How do we open ourselves to love when many of us are so afraid of love, right? How do we open to love when many of our early childhood experiences of love were not safe and secure, but were challenging in many significant ways? You know, I'm really interested in looking at the choices that we make around love. I'm interested in exploring how the collective is relating to love at this time. So I'm really interested in looking at how love plays out in relationship, but I'm also interested in bringing in a more spiritual perspective of love. What would it mean to rise to love's call? Because that's really what I think my life is about, is rising to love's call. And I will tell you that that work is not easy at all. <laughs> you know, it moves me to tears now. That is not easy work. The work of loving people asks us to look at so much inside of ourselves. It asks us to look at hierarchy. It asks us to look at where we have internalized oppression. It asks us to look at <sighs> where we are still holding these shaming and societal beliefs that there is something about us that makes us unworthy of love for ourselves and in our relationships to other people. And so my highest calling, one of my highest callings in this lifetime, I have many, is to do the work of love and to realize how challenging that work is, but also to guide other people through the work of love, to guide people on the path of love, which for me is the most deeply spiritual and godly path that there is. Because God, and you know, I use God, the cosmos, the universe, the ancestors, the divinity, the source, consciousness, right? There are 101 words you could use. But to me, that energy is love, right? This love that tells us that we don't have to do anything to be worthy of it. I think that's why, um, you know, there are many things about religion that are challenging, for sure. Um, but there are also many things that I think are beautiful. And I think this idea, right, this is, I think, one of the most powerful um, aspects of religion is that people can feel into a love <sighs> that sometimes can be so overwhelming that you do not even feel you are worthy, right? This is something I come up against in my relationship with God all the time. How am I even worthy of being loved in this way? You know, I have all these ways that I try to push God away, that I try to push love away, that I say, like, there's no way that I'm really worthy of that. Like, that terrifies me, you know, to let that in, to let the enormity of that in. When I've spent a lifetime changing and adapting myself so that I could be more lovable, so that I could be more worthy, <sighs> to learn that there is nothing that I need to do, that there is nothing that I need to change inside of myself, that I simply get to be, and as I am, I am loved, and I am love. 
you know, that is really profound. And so I want to see how, how do we bridge this kind of cosmic spiritual perspective on what love can be, what love can teach us, what love can create in us, what love can liberate for us as individuals and as a collective. And also, what is the current culture of love that we have? Where are we stuck as humans? You know, um, where does the romantic fantasy, the romantic monogamous fantasy actually inhibit our ability to love? And this is not to bash, you know, I, I do bash monogamy, but this isn't to bash anyone who chooses monogamy. I want that to be so clear. So I'm talking about systems and not individual people. But, you know, I want to look at how you know, I kind of think of this romantic monogamous fantasy as a collective delusion that we're all kind of suffering from. Um, and it once again doesn't mean that we can't choose it. If we choose it consciously, that's amazing. I so support that. But the reality is many of us, we've been IV fucking dripped this idea about love from when we were kids. It's in the media. It's in every movie we watch. It's in rom-coms. It's in music. It's in music videos. It's in the conversations that we have. It's in our family of origin and how we see love being structured in the physical, right? I feel like many of these relationships become containers for love and not containers necessarily in the best sense of the word because I think love, by its very definition, asks not to be contained. And so this isn't a season to convert everyone to polyamory. <laughs> it's really not a season to say, you know, like, fuck the romantic fantasy. You know, I actually don't want to lead you to any place. I don't want to tell you how to think. I want to share some of the things that I've been thinking about and experiencing as I dance with this cosmic force. I want to share some of the teachings and the lessons that I've learned and received and experienced and embodied around love. I want to share some of the contradictions in our culture of loving, and I do want to expose the culture of loving, not from a place of saying it's right or wrong, but I want us to look with brutal honesty. If you know anything about me, and if you know anything about this spirit named human becoming, you know we love brutal honesty. We have to look at the conditions of the society. That is such a part of human becoming's energy. We have to look at the conditions of the society. And so we're going to look at that and we're going to hold that perspective and we're going to hold this cosmic perspective and we're going to do a dance together and we're going to explore the challenges of loving and we're going to explore the challenges of opening ourselves to love. And by the end, I really do want us to think about how can we start to do the work of love? How can we start to walk the path of love? How do we create a more loving world? How do we create more loving relationships with ourselves, with others, with the land, with our ancestors? With all of life, how do we embody love? <sighs> oh, that was good. That human becoming was just like, I'm going to send that one right through. Amazing. So before we get into this new and exciting season, <sighs> which will probably, you know, I'll probably start creating this month of February. Um, I'm really excited about, just so you know, this episode will kind of be released. I'm recording this on the 7th of February. It'll be released on this Sunday. And then I'm going to be at this really exciting retreat. 
um, that's focusing on bridging sexual and spiritual healing. And that's going to be seven days of kind of intense connection with people, which I have not done ever. Um, let alone, you know, before, like since the pandemic, I haven't been around people at all let alone people where like we're going to be engaging with the most intimate and vulnerable vulnerable parts of each other. So that's really exciting. And then as soon as I get out of that weekend, I have three intense days of my own Somatica advanced practitioner training. So that's like 18 hours of intensive training on the weekend. So I'm going to have these 10 days of intense intimacy and intense connection. And I think that's actually going to help to bring what human becoming is wanting to say through for me to have these experiences. So it will likely be after the weekend of the 20th, you know, maybe the weekend of the 27th or so that I actually start releasing the episodes of this season. And so I wanted to name that. But before we move on to that season, I really felt it was important to tell one last story here. (sighs) And I already feel quite emotional um, about this story. This is something that's been coming up in my own life. And it's been something that's been coming up in practice and with my clients and in my school, right? Like in coaching classes. And I think the thing that I want to talk about now is like this final piece. Wow. This final piece of liberation that I really want to offer you in the second season. And this is something I know a lot of people struggle with in our world. And it's something that I've struggled with really deeply. And it weaves into shame. Whew, yeah, there we go. Um, and it weaves into a lot of trauma. And it weaves into being human. <sighs> and so I don't even know how I'm going to start this story. Um, I'm going to ask Human Becoming to guide me through this one. But this story is really about when we say yes, but mean no. And I want to pause with that. Because I think this is a really heavy experience that many people have experienced. And it's something I come up against in coaching often, right? Because I think this is an experience that people carry a lot of shame for. And maybe that's why I say this is the final piece that I want to offer you here. Because what I really wanted to offer, wow, in the second season is a sense that, one, you are not alone. Um, yeah, you are not alone. Um, and these really challenging experiences around navigating a culture of sexuality (laughs) and embodiment and eroticism in 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 this world that we live in in this iteration of society but a lot of what i've wanted to do in this season is to take away some of the shame that many of us feel for the situations that we found ourselves in for the decisions that we've made for who we have been for how we have responded to trauma Oh, let me take a, I need to really do like a sniffle off camera, off camera, off mic. Yeah, give me one moment. <sighs> okay, yeah, there we go. Um, whew, you know, I'm not even going to edit those sounds out because ah, that's called being human. That's called crying. That's called showing emotion. <laughs> um, 
And this has been an experience that's really been dancing with me. And I've, I've been feeling it really intensely wanting to come up in the podcast is this final piece of, you know, this feels like alchemy for the collective too. Um, beyond being alchemy for me, because it is, and alchemy for you, because it is. It's alchemy for the collective. <sighs> and so I suppose I'll start this story with myself. <laughs> um, and so, you know, where this human becoming journey started was in 2019, right? When I was hospitalized for suicidal ideation, when I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And if you've listened to the podcast from season one, you know that I tell a story about working, doing sex work, doing dominatrix work, having a client that I really trusted who then crossed a lot of my boundaries. <sighs> and so I guess maybe I'll retell that story from where I'm at now and from what I know about myself and what I know about the world now and what I know about my body now. And so I guess I'll start with the fact that I have some really big wounding um, around trust, manipulation, <sighs> you know, um, there's a part of me that is always seeking out connection uh, in places that kind of feel dangerous because of experiences that I've had in my childhood. And I'm learning to forgive this part of myself, and I'm I'm learning to forgive myself for how I find myself in in dangerous situations, and um, how painful that can be for me, and how painful that can be for my body. And I'm bringing in a lot of that forgiveness for myself, and I'm learning to deshameify that too. That I make a lot of decisions because I'm traumatized in many ways, um, and my brain looks for loops that feel familiar. And one loop that feels really familiar is trusting people who ah, will manipulate um, and in some ways betray that trust. So that's a bit about me. <laughs> and I've been revisiting, you know, um, what happened that night in Boston a lot over these past two years. Um, I've been revisiting it and revisiting it and, and moving through the many layers of the story. And, uh, and I suppose breathing. Hmm. Where I find myself now is actually really reflective about what happened there, right? Almost a curiosity about, um, why my body responded in the ways that it did and, and not, from a place of judgment, but from really a place of understanding. And so not to retell the story, because I don't think that's what's asking to happen here. I'm not wanting to, you know, retell how I trusted this person then, you know, but I think I actually want to start with, I have a very complicated relationship with boundaries. And it is traumatizing for me to have people cross my boundaries. And it's also very arousing. Ah, and so that's an uncomfortable and, you know, deshamified truth I want to bring in here is that when we've experienced our boundaries being crossed, especially in our, you know, early childhood and developmental years, it is very likely that we will start to create an erotic association between boundary crossings and, yeah, 
the erotic <laughs> and arousal and turn on. And this is a really normal experience. I want to bring this in because a lot of my core desire that I'm discovering and bringing radical deshamified acceptance to is that I'm very turned on by coercion and I'm very turned on by manipulation and I'm also very traumatized by coercion and I'm also very traumatized by manipulation. And I often find myself uh, walking a very thin tightrope between these two, between how close can I go to this edge before it is traumatizing legitimately, uh, and how close can I go to this edge so that it's incredibly arousing. And, uh, and part of, you know, the final, the final, final thing that I had to embrace and acknowledge and forgive in myself in this situation that happened in, um, in, in, September, September, October 2019. I actually suppose I'll give a brief story in case you haven't listened to the episode. So what happened was I was working as a dominatrix. I had this client, really trusted him, felt really intensely connected to him very early on, which is part of my trauma, um, is that I will, there are people that will embody a kind of archetype and a kind of energy that I'll immediately bond with because it will feel familiar in the ways that it will, you know, be harmful later on. But I felt intense trust for this person, and they also presented with a lot of trustworthiness. That's part of this um, desire that I have, as someone that presents with a lot of trustworthiness. I hope you can start to see how the trauma is playing out. Um, someone who embodies a lot of trustworthiness that also will slowly manipulate me into, into crossing boundaries. And so I connect with this person and we went to Boston together and we have this day and, you know, when we talked about our expectations for the day, he had really said, no, we're just going to, we're just going to be getting to know each other. So we're going to go to this Red Sox game. Um, and then, you know, I'll get you a hotel room just so that you can, you don't have to travel back to university late at night. Cause it was like a far drive. Um, but yeah, I'll just take you to the Red Sox game. We can get dinner and then I'll drop you off. I think he said, you know, um, at most, we would do some like light face slapping, you know, but that's kind of it, you know, like he really created a container where I felt like, oh, this is totally safe. And I, I trusted him, you know? And so then the day came and we went to the Red Sox game and, you know, I had a beer and I think he had a beer too. And, uh, and we went to this restaurant, um, and I think he ordered alcohol. I didn't, but I did have, um, I had like a bit of cannabis. Um, so I took a hit of that. Um, and then we went to the hotel and I was kind of feeling like he was going to drop me off. It had been a long day and he, you know, was like, I'll walk you up to the hotel room. And then he was like, yeah, let's go down to the bar and get some drinks. And so we go down to the bar and, um, and I was kind of feeling really safe because I was like, he's going to leave immediately after this. And I'm just going to go up to my hotel room and like sleep. So I'm fine to drink. So we order a cocktail. I drink the cocktail. I was also on antidepressants at the time, um, which are, would work as blood thinners. So alcohol also would go intensely to my head and I don't drink. So keep all these factors in mind, just, you know, for your full immersion in the story. <sighs> and so he says, you know, um, can we have a drink? And we order a drink and then I finish my drink and he's like, let's have another one. Um, and once again, I felt totally trusting, 
I felt totally, totally trusting. And so I said, sure, okay. And we ordered another. And by that time, I was feeling pretty like, ooh, um, already once again, because I don't drink and I was on antidepressants. And yeah, you know, um, and I had had a beer earlier and I'd smoked some cannabis. So I was pretty intoxicated at this point. Um, and I noticed, and he was starting to touch me in, in little ways, but in ways that, um, uh, where once again, it was, you know, I've realized that my core desire is really around the slow coercion and manipulation. Um, and so it was like, it, it's not all at once. It, it's like, oh, this person just gently brushed my hand. So it feels like, oh, you know, like you, there's that part of my brain that goes, this isn't enough to react to. Like, this isn't a big deal, you know, like they, they just like, they just gently brushed my arm, but slowly creating more physical contact, you know, putting a hand on my back, putting a hand on my thigh. And once again, I was feeling pretty safe. Um, and I trusted this person. We had talked about our boundaries for the day. And I was just going to go up to my hotel room. So I was feeling fun, flirty, you know. And then, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about the other aspect of this that's happening soon. So, um, and then, you know, and I'm pretty, pretty drunk. And he goes, you know, let's have a third drink. And I'm like, okay. Um, and I have this third drink. And by this point, I'm really like, I remember going to the bathroom and literally like stumbling. Um, I was really, really, really intoxicated. Uh, and then he was like, let's go up to the hotel room. So I also hope you can see here, it's kind of a really slow escalation. Um, it's not all at once. It's, hey, let's have a drink. Oh, hey, let's have two. Oh, I'm just going to gently put my hand on your back and then I'm going to take it away. And, oh, I'm just going to put my hand on your thigh and, oh, let's have another drink. And then, oh, I'll just, I'll just walk you up to your hotel room. Um, and at this point I was also, I was pretty drunk and I was, ah, also just, going with the motions, going with the flow. Um, and so we go up to the hotel room and then, you know, he's there, which is kind of strange, but because it's a very slow build, it's not like, oh, we didn't agree. And then, you know, I'm jumping into this. It just, it, 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 hooks totally into the way that I feel most coerced and I have felt most coerced in my life, which is that very slow um, so totally hooking into my core woundings. And he starts engaging in physical touch. And, you know, I'm kind of like watching this experience a bit from in my body, mostly from outside my body, because I'm like, oh, like, why is he Why is he kissing me? You know, uh, that's not something we agreed on. But I was also 21, like once again, bringing a ton of compassion and empathy and forgiveness in for myself because I, for so long, really could not forgive myself for this. Um, I was young. I was 21. I was inebriated. This was like kind of my first, you know, dom and sub dynamic. I wasn't actually entirely sure of like, so there was a part of me that was like, yeah, this is normal. Um, and it was totally hooking into my trauma response, which is just to go with that slow trickle of manipulation. And so, you know, he starts touching me and, you know, and at first I think he, he even, it was really smart how he did this. He was like, actually, before he even started touching me, he was like, I'm feeling uncomfortable. It would help me if you could just like hold me. 
which activated my caretaking and people pleasing and seeking approval and moving closer survival response, survival strategy. So I was like, oh, okay. So once again, very smart person, just very, very good at, I don't even know if he was intentionally being manipulative. This isn't even about him. This is actually not even about him. This is really about me and understanding my own response to a traumatic situation in the world. And so it's slow, slow, slow escalation. And eventually he says to me, um, like, I'm lying on the bed. And I remember at this point, I was really, really so drunk. Like, I really just was like, in a very flowy, drunky place, um, really not that connected to reality. Um, and I remember him sitting at the edge of the bed and begging. He was literally like, please let me lick you. Like, please, 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 please. He just kept saying that. I want to stop here and pause and name that for a solid year, I couldn't even name that dynamic. It was so intensely shameful for me. So I just want to, you know, really bring in that deshamifying piece so that you can understand like these things that now I'm speaking about it and I'm speaking about it in a way that feels only slightly activating to my nervous system, very like low level two or three out of a 10, you know. But there was a point where I couldn't even admit to myself or to another person that this was the progression of events of the evening because it literally felt so horrific and so horrifying to feel into how I had responded. And I couldn't forgive myself for a long time because I felt like I was so bad and so wrong and so dirty and so, you know, all the shaming words. Um, And of course, then all the societal like, Um, you actually wanted that to happen, you know, and feeling like that was actually really traumatic. Um, And here's where I'm going to bring in some nuance. So he said, lick me, lick me, lick me. Or, you know, he was saying, I really want to lick you. I really want to lick you. I really want to lick you. And eventually I just said, yes, okay. Um, And he did. And, and by this, I mean, he was saying, I want to lick your, lick your pussy, you know, like, just so that you're not like, oh, he has to lick your leg, like, just to name very specifically what's happening. And I was like, okay. Um, and it was very much for me, a, a buckling response. And I wasn't really that present. And I was just like, okay. And then I orgasmed and I felt so much shame. So I remember when he left, it was also very complicated. This was a very complicated thing um, because then he left $600 on the nightstand and left in a very friendly way, which once again, totally hooks into my fucking core wound around manipulation, like totally smiley and, you know, oh, that was so much fun, you know? So I went into my, oh yeah, you know, it took me a while to actually realize how activated my body was. And I remember then getting into the bathtub and just like crying and, uh, and I think trying to call a few friends and then eventually calling my mom and my mom staying on FaceTime with me as I fell asleep because I was so activated after that. Like it, I, I didn't even know what had happened. I, when I called my mom after that, and when I called, you know, when I, I think I called like uh, someone that I was dating at the time, and I was like, I don't even know what just happened, you know? Like, I was that, I was just totally out of it. <sighs> and once again, just to name that part of the story that I said, yes, okay, lick me, you know? And that I said, um, that I said, yes, okay, lick me. And then I orgasmed. Those, that was something that I thought that I would, wow. I thought that I would, (laughs) like, I felt like I would take that to my grave, you know, which now I kind of am like, that's silly. (laughs) 
but I want you to understand the intensity of the shame that I carried for that response, right? And that was totally a trauma response. I have a very, you know, fawning, um, seeking approval, moving closer towards survival strategy. Um, and that's part of my early childhood trauma and my early childhood experiences and things that I've experienced throughout my life. But I have that appease, move towards fawn response. And I carried so much shame for that. And I carried so much shame because I knew that this thing had happened to me that was, it created a lot of trauma in my body, you know, trauma that it's taken me like two years to really move through that experience. And it's been incredibly cyclical. And every time I feel like I've made it to a, a deep, uh, I've made it around the circle again, it's like, you're going to go around this merry-go-round again and again and again, so that you can really understand what happened here and the depth of hurt and pain that it created in you. But the thing that I'm most proud of myself for being able to say today is to name that I said yes when I didn't mean it at all. And I want to bring in the nuance that at the same time, the fact that my boundaries were being crossed in that way, this is where we hold a lot of nuance and complexity. At the same time, that level of boundary crossing was arousing. And so that was also really hard for me to hold for a long time. And I'm still learning how to hold the complexity of that, that this was something that created a lot of trauma in my body. This was something that was very familiar to me in the flavor of manipulation and coercion, um, in like in, in, in the ways that it was just a very subtle build of manipulation and coercion, um, but also a very friendly build so that it's kind of confusing so that there's that emotional connection. And, you know, so much was activated for me in that dynamic, so much that I'm still to this day unpacking. breathe. Ooh, yeah. Um, but it was really hard for me. And the, the piece that I'm proud that I can hold now is that was really traumatic. And if I wasn't like, I, I really feel like if I was sober, you know, um, I don't think I would have said, I, I feel like it was the combination of all of these ways that, you know, my boundaries were slowly being overridden um, and the way that it happened, that is what created arousal in my body, which also created so much pain. So this is incredibly nuanced, you know, holding that something can be incredibly painful and traumatic and arousing. You know, and that's something that I've struggled to hold for so long, and I still struggle to hold it. Even now, sitting here with you, I struggle to hold it and make sense of it, right? Because of these really binary narratives I think that we have around what happens when a boundary is crossed, you know, of like me feeling like in order for it, for me to legitimize that it was traumatic, I have to say, no, I never would have said yes to that. Like, that was awful. That was horrible. That was, you know, like this societal narrative that like, um, we always have to say no. And I think the situation really like made it, it complexified a lot inside of my being that sometimes I am a person that will often, often, often say yes to things that I don't quite want to do. And the fact that I'm saying yes to things that I don't want to do is actually arousing. So then that's where it becomes really confusing to hold because then people are like, oh, but then you wanted to do it. And it's like, no, 
complexity, nuance, hold it with me, (laughs) you know, or at least try, um, at least try to understand where I'm coming from. The truth is, This comes back to core desires and core wounds, and I know there's an an episode of the podcast that I've created where I go into core desires and core wounds, so you can definitely look for that. I think it's probably an episode on shame or desire, um, probably an episode on desire if you're if you're interested. Um, but that, you know, our core wounds are so connected to our core desires, and for me, this experience was deepening that understanding of how my core wounds are connected to my core desires, and our core wounds are these challenging experiences that we've had in our in our childhood, in our early childhood, and our core desires are usually a reparative fantasy that emerges out of that core wounding, either as a desire to have a different experience or to repeat, but with agency. So that's usually where our, our core desires fall into those two categories. Um, and I think I had to forgive that inside of myself. I had to forgive, you know, that even now I will often cross my own boundaries to be in connection with people. I think this is the hard part of the work because sometimes, you know, I I don't ever want to pretend that it's really easy to hold my boundaries (laughs) Um, and that I'm perfect at doing it and that I do it all the time. I actually want to hold complexity and nuance for the real human experience. And for me, that is that I have learned throughout my life to cross my boundaries. You know, I've learned to cross my own boundaries to be in connection with people. That has become such an automatic habitual response that it happens without my brain even thinking. But you're entitled to your boundaries, but you can say no. My body, my body's first response usually to almost any situation, but especially a situation where I'm feeling triggered, is going to be to cross my own boundaries. (sighs) and so knowing that about myself has been hugely helpful but also forgiving the fact that that is often arousing for me that that is often a turn-on and holding the complexity for who that is really hard And, and and that line between trauma and arousal for me is very thin sometimes I walk that line and sometimes I walk into the territory of re traumatization and sometimes I walk into the arena of arousal and it's complicated and I'm complicated and I'm human you know um I name this for myself and for the collective so that we can start holding more complexity about how we engage in our sexuality because that's what we really need not this like cookie cutter mold of what sexual liberation looks like and how we can master these principles but a real complex look at why (sighs) our bodies make the decisions that they make to protect us, to keep us safe, you know, why our minds make the decisions that they make to protect us, to keep us safe, you know, also not wanting to enforce that mind-body disconnection. But I, I say body here to say like our nervous system, like there's a way that our body will respond when we've experienced trauma and when we see something that reminds us of that trauma in the world, there's a way that our body will respond before our cognitive minds can even catch up. And there's amazing neuroscience and studies done on this. And I would encourage you to really look into that because it's some really life-changing research um, to understand how, you know, we we respond to the world from these really triggered places. Um and I wanted to tell that story because this was something I was feeling come up so much in practice is the shame that so many people hold for experiences they have had where either they have said 
yes in some way. Like I verbally said yes, even though I did not mean yes, even though there was not a yes in my body. And at the same time, holding complexity for in my traumatized body, there was a yes being held because this trauma felt so familiar. You know, that's the complexity I'm asking us to hold. But in other people's experiences, when they felt like they said yes, or when they felt like, you know, their body had the physiological response of pleasure in a traumatizing situation, in a situation where maybe they were assaulted, or maybe their boundaries were crossed, you know, um, but in situations where boundary crossings happen, there can be so much shame about why didn't I do this? Why didn't I say no? Why didn't I protect myself in this way? Why did my body, you know, why did my body get wet? Or why did I experience the physiological um, response to arousal? Why did, you know, these are all the ways that we shame ourselves. (sighs) And it can be really heavy. It can be really heavy to hold that and to feel that shame. And I wanted to bring this story to you Not to leave you with like really any solid principles, not to quote unquote teach you anything, but so that you can see the complexity in my story. That's what I really want more than anything Um, in, in you listening to this episode is, can you feel into the complexity of that story? Can you feel into the complexity of your own story? can we hold space for all of these truths that are co-occurring without having to get into this binary way of thinking that it's this or that? Sexuality is complex. Our bodies are complex. Our core desires and our turn-ons and our trauma, it's all complex. But I want to do this to alchemize some shame for the collective, you know, some shame around how we respond to boundary crossings, some shame, you know, what I really wanted to offer as well is some shame for the people who do feel arousal when their boundaries are crossed, you know, because that can leave us with a whole host of other confusing messages. As as you've seen as I navigate this episode, like if that's a turn on, but also can be traumatizing, but it's also a turn on because of the trauma I've experienced, like, Um, and I know how freeing it is for me. That was so freeing to learn that like, oh, I can hold that complexity inside of myself that all of these things are co-occurring. And I see in my clients all the time how much freedom can happen when we just say, of course, of course you responded in that way. You know, I think a lot of the time we carry so much shame around how we respond to our boundaries being crossed and how we respond when we either verbally say yes or mm hmm, or we feel like our bodies have said yes or mm hmm, um, or we haven't said anything but our boundaries have still been crossed, you know. But I really wanted to hold room for this experience of the complicated feelings that come up when we've experienced boundary crossings that have been traumatic and also arousing. Ah, so that's the nuance for the day. Um, And I wanted that to be the last episode of the season because it felt like a really important story to tell, even for myself, you know, just for myself. Um, because for so long, I when I say that I really thought, and, and, and it might sound dramatic, but I see this in practice all the time people who feel like these parts of their stories, they will never utter to another living soul. I see that all the time. 
<sighs> I experience it in connection with other humans in the world all the friggin' time. And I want to just free that up. You know, I want to free that up and be like, that is totally a normal experience to have. I want to remove a layer of shame that we're all having about this experience um, that many of us have had. Many of us have experienced boundary crossings in our life. That's the reality, you know. Um, and sometimes we will continue to experience boundary crossings. And so I hope that this perspective, this story that I've offered you, because really what this has been is offering you a story. I hope this story has allowed you to bring some more nuance into how you think about boundaries and arousal and all of these complicated things. I hope if you have an experience of being aroused by your boundaries being crossed, if you've had an experience where you said yes but meant no, I hope you're able to find some forgiveness for yourself, you know, and some compassion for yourself. And to remove a layer of shame. This is also not to say a lot of people will have the experience of having their boundaries crossed and it's not arousing. So this is not to say every single person, just to bring in that nuance too, you know, because I noticed that inside of myself. This is not to say that every single person who experiences a boundary crossing will be aroused by it, you know. Um, So I want to hold space for that too, for all the people who have experienced boundary crossings, have said yes but meant no where the experience has not been arousing um, and has potentially been really traumatizing um, or, or both, you know, once again, holding lots of nuance, holding lots of complexity. I want us all to collectively forgive ourselves. Can we forgive ourselves? That's really what I want for all of us. Can we forgive ourselves? When we have fawning responses, when we have people-pleasing responses, when we have survival strategies that bring us closer to people, right, and that actually take us out of connection with ourselves in order to be in connection with other people, it's very likely that we'll continue to cross our own boundaries and we'll say yes when we don't mean it. Can we hold compassion for that truth? And it doesn't mean that we can't work on it. You know, I'm working on this inside of myself all the time. But I also want us to hold that if we've had these survival strategies and utilized them for decades, it's going to take a while. <laughs> it's going to take a while to heal. And, you know, I have mentors who have been doing this work for decades who still cross their own boundaries, you know, and I, I want to normalize that too. <sighs> and there's nothing wrong with us. This is part of the complexity and the nuance of being human at this time in Earth's history of navigating a really complicated culture around our bodies and desire and boundaries and survival. And so if you take anything from this episode, right, if there's any shame that this has evoked in you, if there's any intensity that this has evoked in you, the thing I want you to take away with you, with you, bleh, is forgiveness. Forgive yourself. You know, I've had to do that work with myself. Like, I really forgive you. And also, there's nothing to forgive. Like, you didn't do anything wrong or bad. You're doing your best (laughs) to navigate some really hard and challenging situations. And just holding that loving and compassionate awareness and attention for yourself. (sighs) 
that's what I want for you. I've cried a lot in this episode. I hope that I've cried on your behalf and released on your behalf because that's what I really love and want. Um, and I'm holding you in a lot of compassion. Wherever the story meets you, however it weaves into yours, whatever part of it weaves into yours, I'm holding you in so much compassion. I'm grateful for what we've shared in this season. It's been immense. You know, I don't think I would have come to this clarity inside of myself and I would have been able to metabolize this trauma inside of myself were it not for this season. So I want to thank this season for liberating me to um, to admit some things that I never thought I could admit uh, and to name things about myself that have felt challenging and you know, to name parts of myself and my survival strategies that I've judged as making me unworthy of love and connection and belonging. And so I want you to know that too, that you are so loved, unbelievably loved, so unbelievably loved. <laughs> I hope you could take some of that in, some of that immense love that I have for you and that the world has for you, and that God has for you, that love itself holds you in. And I'm really excited to explore this next journey, this next stage of the journey with you. And, you know, there definitely might be ways that the next season comes back to issues around sex and love, and this culture is so entwined, but I want to honor that season two is closed, that what has come up here to be alchemized has been alchemized, that what has come up to be transformed has been transformed, that what has come up to be released has been released, and what has come up to be shared and seen and honored has been shared and seen and honored. The work has been done. <laughs> I say this to the ancestors, and I say this to God, and I say this to love, and I say this to you. Honor the work that you've done in moving through this season, right? Like, if you want to take a moment to reflect on how these ideas have shaped you and changed you. I would love for you to reach out to me and let me know how these ideas have shaped and changed you. I always love connecting with you. But that's it. Wow, that feels emotional. It's like I don't want to say goodbye. <laughs> but I say goodbye with so much gratitude and I say goodbye with gratitude to you for doing this really hard work of coming into yourself, of accepting the parts of you that feel really hard to accept and to see and to understand and to hold in their complexity and nuance. I'm so proud of you. I'm so unbelievably proud of you. And I love you. And I'm grateful that we get to be here in connection. And I'm grateful that we get to experience this healing together. Yeah, <laughs> it is done. It is done. Thank you for journeying with me. I love you. Goodbye. <laughs> and see you soon. <sighs>